Listener Production. Hi, I'm Helen McCabe, founder of Future Women, a community dedicated to helping women connect, learn and lead. One of the most exciting ways we do this is at our annual Future Women Leadership Summit. This year's summit was equally thought-provoking and inspirational, offering plenty of practical take-home advice to accelerate your career. If you couldn't make it, don't worry. I'm bringing you the next best thing to being in the room and sharing the highlights from this year's event. On day two of the conference, we heard from an expert panel of executive women who discussed when to give feedback or how being unclear is unkind. Moderated by future women's head of research and insights, Ruby Leigh Gatfield, the panel featured Edwina Stratton, Chief People Officer at CultureAmp, Anna Maria Arabia, Chief Executive at the Australian Academy of Science, and Niti Nataraja, a coach, freelance general counsel, and diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant. We're talking about feedback. Unclear is unkind because we know that providing clear and concise feedback is actually kind of harder than it sounds. So I am pleased once again to be joined by an incredible panel of women who are going to share how we can communicate more effectively as leaders. So to my left, I have Edwina Stratton. Edwina joined Culture Amp in early 2022 as the Chief People Officer and a member of the executive team. She's focused on driving the entire organization's commitment to culture first. And before Culture Amp, you held incredible leadership positions across Salesforce, Oracle, Krispy Kreme, and Starbucks with some pretty impressive results all around. Next to Edwina, we have Neeti Nadaraja. Neeti is a coach, a freelance general counsel, and a DE&I consultant with a passion for authentic and inclusive leadership. She advocates for a range of issues, including gender and racial equity, and works as an executive coach and gender equity expert at Grace Papers, where she also coaches parents and people leaders through their career transitions. And finally, we have Anna Maria Arabia. Starting her career as a neuroscientist 20 years ago, Anna Maria Arabia has held senior executive positions across the science sector and is currently the chief executive of the Australian Academy of Science. She's a strategic and dispassionate advocate for science, for social justice and for diversity and inclusion. Give our panellists a round of applause. All right, I want to kick off by simply asking each of you, I might start here, Edwina, do you find it hard to give feedback? And if not, why do you think so many women do? So I don't find it hard to give feedback. I still sometimes struggle to get feedback. Um, it's something I um, am always working on. But I think that over many years, I have honed that skill. I would probably be known for my ability to talk straight and be really honest and authentic. But I think the most important thing for me when giving feedback and why I think I'm okay at it is because my intent is always really good. And I often think about when I am giving feedback how I would like to receive feedback, which doesn't always happen, but I always put myself uh, in the shoes of the recipient. And, you know, I think for me, just a really, really simple thing that I think we can all relate to. I don't know how many of you have been in a meeting, you get up, you go to the bathroom, wash your hands, have a little look in the mirror, and I'm like, oh my God, I have got a piece of my lunch stuck between my teeth. I have sat there for the last two hours and no one's told me. 
And I feel horrendous when that happens. It's like, oh, my gosh, why couldn't someone just have said, hey, Ed, you've got a big green thing hanging out of your teeth, like you might want to fix that up or make some signals. And so I think that people often avoid giving feedback because it's uncomfortable sometimes when you're telling something, somebody something they don't necessarily want to or aren't prepared to hear. But I would much prefer to get the feedback, have the opportunity to fix it in the moment or do something about it, then get it, you know, very late in the piece uh, and then think, I wish I had the chance to do something. Absolutely. Straight shooter with good intentions. We love it. (laughs) Niti, how about you? Do you fear giving feedback? You're a coach. I feel like you don't. (laughs) Look, I have struggled massively with giving feedback over the years and I look back now at times I've given feedback to people and I, I, like, look back with horror and think I could have done that so differently. And what I've realised, particularly since becoming a coach, is that a lot of that stemmed from me being so in my own head and focused on my own narrative about giving the feedback that I wasn't stepping outside of that and looking at why I was giving the feedback to the person and what was this going to do for the person. And I think when we can step outside of ourselves and go, okay, I recognise I've got a you know, some people pleasing going on here. I want people to like me. This might be difficult because they might react badly. Recognise that, but then go, okay, take that, stick it to a side, focus on why this is important for the person in front of me. Why do I need to give this person this feedback in this moment? What is it going to do for them in that moment? And I think when we can approach feedback from that angle and really look at the other person, this is important, this is going to help them grow, this is going to help them learn, we can approach the language that we use differently, we can set up the conditions to make feedback giving a pleasant experience for everyone. So, you know, often we, we look at performance settings, like performance appraisals, and that's when we give feedback to people. But when people are walking into a performance appraisal, They've got armour on, right? They're going in ready to do battle because they know this is going to impact potentially their salary, potentially progression, promotion, all those sorts of things. And so if we can step away from that and go, okay, how do I create the environment where someone's going to be ready to listen to how they might be able to grow and learn without it having this weight of how it's going to impact them financially or in terms of their progression you're going to set up the conditions in a much better way to have an open conversation and one where everyone's listening and not stuck in their own narrative because the feedback recipient is also stuck in their own narrative, which is the feedback this person gives me is going to impact me negatively in some way. And so I need to be ready to defend that. So you're going in going, I want this person to like me. What if they react badly? And this other person's in their own head as well. So once we can both get out of that and go, okay, I'm with this other person now, what does that look like? I think you set up the right environment for feedback giving and receiving. Absolutely, yes. And I forgot to mention in your bio, congratulations, our mentoring award recipient, (laughs) who's often, I'm sure, giving very, very constructive feedback in those sessions. Thank you. Anna Maria, how do you feel about giving feedback? Love it, hate it? A refined skill, I think, like the others. I, don't, I can't say I was born knowing how to give feedback, but it's something I've refined over time. 
as the others have said, I try and think about how I would receive it. And I don't know about you, but certainly over my career, I have felt crushed by feedback because, you know, we, we want to please. As you said earlier, we, we probably shouldn't have even applied for that job because we only met 60% of the selection criteria or 80% and we tell ourselves we shouldn't have even applied. And so there's this kind of underlying sense of should I even be here and can I be stretched to do something more? I need to be perfect at what I do. So feedback is kind of, oh gosh, see, I wasn't that good at it after all. And what was I thinking being here? But actually, when you take yourself out of that mindset altogether and understand or receive feedback as others wanting to see you succeed or that you are absolutely worthy of the job you have just gained, that this is an opportunity to grow and, and, and stretch. So I think it's more in that light that I, I think about how I then give feedback. I think it's also really intricately tied to values of an organisation. So our performance appraisal, I'm hoping people don't come into feeling like they need to wear armour. And the reason I say that is because everything around it is around what skills do you need to do your job and be at your best? And not only, but what skills can we offer you for your next job? So how do you leave my organisation more skilled than how you arrived and what can I do to support that? So the frame is very much back at the individual and, and being invested in their success and their future as much as, much as you want to retain good staff. Uh, so that's very much built into our appraisal cycle and that works really well. And I, I like to think that I live my values and one of the privileges I think of leadership is being able to infuse your values into your organisation and into your leadership. So I'm the person that goes around the organisation kind of saying when women write just in an email, just writing to let you know, I quietly write back to them, can you please remove just from your lexicon? And this is why. Because what you're doing, <laughs> I go, oh, thanks so much for letting me know. And it's all about empowering and investing them or starting with a sorry, no, you have nothing to be sorry about. So it's reinforced in, in the values of the organisation as well so that when, when it's time to give difficult feedback, there is already a culture of I'm interested in your success and that's why I'm sharing this with you rather than it's pretty bad that you don't write well and, you know, it, it's just framed completely differently. Yeah, thank you. And I want to kind of continue on that thread we know that bias permeates every step of that employment cycle for women, right? And one of those points is this likability penalty that we talk about if we show confidence, assertiveness, that kind of ambition, often women are penalised for that, right? And the research shows it. So, Anna-Maria, have you found that maybe that causes some of that fear of giving that sort of feedback because there is a consequence to, to have that sort of assertion in the workplace as a manager? Yes, so obviously we're, we're the product of our experiences and women have very particular experience and biases that are in our own thinking as well as those that have been imposed on us. So, so yes, I think there are ways though that we can try and assist individuals of any gender to, to be the best they can, to have those uh, terrific attributes uh, shine and, and, and really add value I don't know if there's some of the people I've mentored through Future Women in the room, but all of them will have heard me go through this construct. And I think it's really useful for all of us to think about where we are, what we can contribute, and the fact that we're all growing. So I, I get everyone to draw a circle and put a cross in the middle and think about the, the skills that we have and the skills that we don't because we weren't all born knowing how to use Excel. We weren't all born 
you know, doing public speaking. We weren't all born with data analytic skills. We weren't all born knowing how to swim. So each of us are somewhere on a kind of competency spectrum. And I divide it up into four. So my top right quadrant is, sorry, this is a longer answer. I didn't expect myself to go here, but I'm going to go here because I've got the mic now. Top <laughs> right-hand quadrant is unconscious incompetency. So these are things you don't even know you're not good at. Like you have no idea that you, you, you don't know you don't have a skill and you're usually tripping over yourself and wouldn't even realise you're making a mistake, then you can move to conscious incompetency and this is when perhaps a good manager says, this is an area that we'd like to develop or um, we can stretch to and you grow and you feel that terrific journey of growing. Okay, so I'm not that good at Excel but I'm now getting the training I need to be able to use Excel through to conscious competency. So you're competent at something but you've got to work hard at it. You know, you're like, I'm, okay, I'm pretty good at understanding data analytics, but I've, it really takes time and effort for me right through to unconscious incompetency. These are your natural abilities, everything you're really good at. You don't even know why you're good at it, you just do it. You're really good at Excel because you're just a whiz at it and somehow you picked it up somewhere and now it's just second nature. And when we realise we're all there somewhere on that spectrum, you realise that there are some things that you can shine at and attributes that you have and others that you can grow into and that also helps beat some of our own biases. So you're not hard on yourself, but you just realise that you're your unique you somewhere in that spectrum. That was a very long answer. But a very practical one. I think everyone's going to go home and figure out their circle. <laughs> That's certainly some great practical take-home advice for all of us. We've covered how to give feedback. Now you'll hear about when to give feedback, as well as how to avoid falling into the trap of micromanagement. Edwina, you said you're a straight shooter. Was that hard to hone that? Like, did you feel like there was any consequence of being that kind of assertive woman in the workplace? So I think honestly, yes. You know, you're telling people sometimes things that they don't want to hear. But my experience in doing that is that people really appreciate it. And again, it goes back to intent. You know, being a straight shooter is not a licence to be an asshole. You still have to do it with care and good intent. But, you know, it's uh, the payoff's been incredible. So I think a lot of leaders surround themselves with people who perhaps tell them what they want to hear. And I think there are very few people who feel comfortable and confident in being able to, to talk straight to leaders. One of the things I love about working at Culture Amp is two of our values and they relate directly to feedback. So one is learn faster through feedback and the other is amplify others. And so I think both of those really talk to, you know, the way in which I, you know, love to love to give and receive feedback. And approach management, yeah, absolutely. Neeti, another form of bias we do see and which we spoke about over a coffee earlier is the sorts of feedback that women do receive. So research tells us that on the whole, men tend to get much more direct feedback, actionable feedback, things like go and do this course and that's how you'll get the next promotion, whereas women get something much more vaguer. Maybe something about confidence or you're, we really appreciate your collaborative style and something a little bit more less actionable in terms of what your next steps are to get that next promotion. So do you have any advice on how we give more direct feedback? And I know that, um, you know, how we tailor this is something you want to pick up on, on, on how we tailor this to different people and different personality types. Yeah, 100%. Um, I've definitely been on the receiving end of feedback like that, where I've sat there and gone, 
I don't actually know what you're talking about. I don't know how to improve this. Do you have any examples that you can share with me of when you've seen me do this? What does this actually look like? Because I can't relate to it just based on these vague words that you're giving me that mean nothing to me. So I think there are a couple of things, I think, in terms of giving really clear feedback. One is having examples, like really concrete examples, like specifics that you can point to. And when I say specifics, there's a great book that I recommend everyone read from a communication perspective. I think it's amazing. It's quite old. It's called Nonviolent Communication. And it's literally about how you can communicate through using observation, feeling, a need and a request, right? And the first thing is this observation, and that's really important in feedback. What is the observation? What have I seen you do? What have I noticed, right? Because when you just say to someone, you're not confident, that doesn't mean anything. What is the information that lies behind that that makes me feel you're not confident? That's what's important because that's what someone can actually pick up and go, okay, yes, I can remember back to that situation and yes, that happened. Now, they may have a different story and they may say to you, that wasn't about confidence, that was about X, Y, Z. But at least then you're having a conversation about it. But if it's just you're not confident or you were rude, right? It's, well, how did you perceive this person to be rude in this meeting or this environment? You know, or often we hear, or women hear, that there's a perception that you're not committed to your job, right? And particularly, I think, women who've had kids or work, who are working flexibly because they have carer responsibilities often face this when they start working flexibly. So again, it's what, what sits behind that. What is it that leads this person to perceive that this person isn't as committed to their work? And then when you're coming up with these observations, poke holes in them. Get someone else to poke holes in them. Like, just see what is there. Reflect on your own biases. Reflect on what biases might possibly be at play when you're giving this feedback to this person. Because I think that's really important. We don't do it often enough. Often we give feedback on the fly. And I think if we can actually sit back and go, okay, what is it that I want to tell this person? Why is it relevant? What have I seen, observed, heard, etc.? Own the feedback. That's another thing we often don't do very well. We take feedback from other people and we go, this person said this, so this must be true. Gospel, right? And just relay it. Problem with that is, one, we don't have the evidence and two, we don't own it, right? So we might give the feedback, but it's like wishy-washy and it's a bit like weak in the way that we deliver it because we don't know if we believe it, but we've got to deliver it. So it's really having those observable things that you can point to in those situations. So I think that's really key. Yeah, I think that's so true. And picking up on that kind of owning of the feedback, Anna-Marie, like, do you have thoughts on how you get the tone right? Because we've all heard about the kind of shit sandwich approach where we bookend a compliment at the end of the harsh stuff in the middle. But do we run the risk of kind of being too nice and getting wrapped up in, we're so scared to own that there's something critical in the middle there. How do you get that tone right? There's a real balance between sugarcoating it and being so blunt that it's ineffective. So a couple of things that I'd suggest, face-to-face -face meeting is, is usually useful where there's some preparation on the person providing the feedback's part to give that feedback. In a hybrid environment, it shouldn't be a quick flick of an email to let someone know that they're not doing something right, arrange to meet with them via video conference and, and, and have a discussion. 
The other part of delivering it is the that goes to tone um, is the framing I mentioned earlier, but also give the individual time to respond. And that response might not come immediately. It's it's perfectly okay to say, do you want to think about that and we can reconvene tomorrow or next week or whatever might be convenient. And if you're the person receiving the feedback, it is totally okay to say, do you mind if I just absorb that, think about it and come back to you with ways we might work on this together. So you invest, invest the person giving the feedback as part of your solution and support going forward. And a good manager will do that. We'll, we'll want to see you succeed and we'll want to invest that time and energy or at least um, bring in the people who can assist to enable that. So it's very solutions focused rather than a wrap over the knuckles and go off and think about that and come back and do better. But without too much sugarcoating, I mean, a lot of people say, you know, mention all of the good things that someone does and then tell them the bad. And, and that's that's an approach. But if you've just gone on this 15-minute rant about <laughs> everybody's absolutely outstanding, you know, it's then becomes it's quite sugarcoated and it's harder to get to the point you're trying to make effectively. And I couldn't agree more with providing examples. There's nothing that brings it home or enables someone to think about it um, than reflecting on a particular example or two. Yeah, absolutely. I want to throw a scenario at you, Edwina. <laughs> a tricky scenario and get your advice on how you would give feedback. So we've got, you know, we've got messy lives, things get in the way, might be whatever it is, a divorce, a grief, miscarriage, whatever it might be, but sometimes that actually can impact our performance. So how do you give feedback in those really tricky contexts? So I think you have to take into consideration the context. So, you know, build relationships and sometimes maybe it's not the moment to give the feedback. If someone's going through a tough time or, you know, suffering from trauma, maybe you've got to pick your timing sometimes too. So I think it's knowing what's going on for people. I also find it's really helpful to sometimes, you know, share some of my own experiences. So, you know, there have been times where my performance has dipped. There have been times where, you know, I've had a lot of shit going on in my personal life. And so sharing some of that with um, somebody to let them normal, like normalise, you know, what they're going through and what they might be experiencing. And I think when you're having the conversation, there's a model that someone shared with me a little while ago. When you're in that moment, they want to know three things. One, you've got their back. Two, you believe in them. And three, you're going to find a way to bounce forward together. And so I think when you can kind of bring those elements in, you know, and, and pick your timing because sometimes it's not the right time uh, to give someone feedback. And you do that because you know your people really, really well. So no perfect answer, but that's kind of uh, how I would approach that one. You know, but you can't avoid it. So not doing it is not the answer. You've got to find the right time and create the right context. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, were you going to pick up on something there? And a psychologically safe work environment where people do feel able to say, look, there's a lot going on at home and at the moment I'm, you know, just not on my game or you can look for ways in which the workplace could support something, but for individuals to feel safe in that space and psychologically safe all of the time. 100%. So what is the right time? Should we be doing it need to informally all the time? Should we be doing more formal structural feedback? How do we kind of get to the practical stuff? Yeah, look, I'm a big believer in timely feedback. I think, you know, if you think about, say, a witness in, say, I'm going to put my lawyer hat on, in a witness in like a trial, right? Witnesses are typically unreliable 
And the reason they're unreliable is because memories can be distorted so easily. I mean, I'm sure you've all got those like photos that you look back on from childhood and you go, I think I've got this memory, but is the memory because I've seen the photo or did the memory come first and the photo come second, right? Feedback's similar. So when we're not giving feedback near the time of the event, what happens is we then look back on it and we go, so there was this general vibe that I had at this time. There was this example. This is kind of what I remember about this example. What else happened? And then we fill in the gaps. Or we don't fill in the gaps, and that's when we provide vague feedback, or we provide feedback where we're like, um, I need to know a little bit extra here, so I'm sure this must have happened, right? And then you've got this distorted memory that you're sharing with this person, and this person's like, that didn't happen. (laughs) And so I think the closer to the event that you can give the feedback, the better. And I say that, but I also want to point out that giving feedback on the fly, whilst we have to do it at times, I don't think is the best approach. If you can take some time to sit back from the feedback and reflect on what you're about to tell the person, why you're telling them what you're going to tell them, what the example is, what you've observed, all the things that I sort of mentioned earlier, I think that's really useful. So do all of that and then in the moment, like not in the moment, but after the moment, give them that feedback and give it continuously because I think there's nothing worse than going through months after an event for someone to give you some feedback and you're like, well, that happened back then. Like I could have been doing something with this feedback for three months, you know, and now you're telling it to me now and now it's distorted and become something different. Two questions. Firstly, it's so nice to think we can do that in practice, but like finding the time to give feedback that's really constructive, how do we fit that in around our day job (laughs) with our teams? And then also at what point do we run the risk of micromanaging and giving too much feedback? So I think in terms of fitting it in in our day job, it is our day job. There's no two ways about that. Like if you're a manager of people, if you're a leader of people, if you're working with people in a project context, giving feedback is important and it should be a part of your day job and you don't just get time, you make time to deliver it and to have those conversations because it is kind to do that. So I think that's number one. I think in terms of the too much feedback, like again, it's like, why are you giving this feedback to the person? Like I keep coming back to the, what is the reason for giving this feedback in the first place? What is it that's important about this feedback? How is it going to help this person grow? Right? So I think you need to balance that when you're going and giving feedback to an individual. And if you are giving too much feedback to the same individual, I think you need to sit back from that and go, what is this about where I'm concerned? right? Not what is going on with this person, but what's going on with me here? Why am I giving them so many, so much feedback? I think that's really important. Definitely. It can be so easy to go into that perfectionist headspace. And, and I think there's been a real theme today around removing yourself from your own experience. Did you want to pick up on something? You're right. It has to be part of your job and it is part of your job. And if nothing else, there should be scheduled opportunities to speak as part of a performance appraisal. So that doesn't just happen once a year. If you're finding you're giving another person feedback once a year, you've missed probably 12 occasions along the way, if not the three to four that are part of a, I think, well-structured performance appraisal. So there should be no surprises really. By the time you're sitting down with someone to have that discussion, the path should have been laid, I guess. 
micromanaging it really shouldn't be important and needed. But if it is, you do need to question yourself. So sometimes though, and I've had this experience just once, I did find myself very much micromanaging a serious underperformer who was not responding to any of the other things we had put in place. And it was as much to give him confidence to be able to achieve a task as small as it was to move to the next one and and then grow in that confidence. So it was unpleasant for everyone. And I was really open about this is a way we're going to tackle this. We've tried this, this, and this is the way we're going to tackle this. So it was seen strategically and as an investment in the way forward, but not a space that I like to occupy. I think one thing we might have missed, and I just want to make sure we don't forget it, not all feedback's bad. So don't forget the opportunity to share with people when they're doing amazing things and getting it right. Like, I mean, that's so uplifting and that's a joy in my job when I get to talk to someone and share with them the impact that they've had or the difference that they've been able to make to me or to somebody else. So don't forget that feedback can be also a gift and amazing and uplifting. So find opportunities, I think, to give it, give it well, give it often and make it genuine. Can I add add to that? Sharing successes with a broader group is really important, I think, as part of that journey. So absolutely telling individuals when they get it right. We have an initiative at, um, at the Academy of Science where it's called Win of the Week. So everybody on a Thursday between 3 and 4 p.m., and people do it outside of that time, but hit email to all staff and they share something they're really proud of. And you end up finding these gems of contribution that would never hit the leadership of an organisation because they feel small, but to that individual, they're really big. Rising to the surface and there's this, it's beautiful for culture, it's beautiful for celebrating success and people connect with each other on all sorts of levels. It ends up being the water cooler conversation as well. It's a really good way, I think, to celebrate success and get positive reinforcement, not just from your boss, but from others as well. I can't think of a better note to end on. Thank you for bringing that to the table because we had focused on all that tricky stuff. Let's celebrate our panel. Thank you, everyone. A big round of applause. Wow, that's a great practical session. Thanks again to our panellists, Edwina Stratton, Anna Maria Arabia, Niti Nataraja and moderator Ruby Leigh-Gatfield. This podcast was recorded on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present. Executive producer is Jennifer Goggin. Series producer is Holly Mitchell and audio imaging by Nat Marshall.